because this is single-handedly the largest investment of your life. Yeah. So it's not to be taken lightly. Welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. This week, we're talking all about buying your first home. This is something that you guys have been asking for on Instagram and based where I'm at in life and where a lot of my friends are at, I knew that doing an episode on home ownership would be super valuable. However, there's so much information we could share, so I'm actually breaking this into a two-part series. Today, you're going to hear from a realtor, and then later this week, I'm bringing on a mortgage lender to talk more about the financial side of purchasing your first home. So let me tell you about today's guest. Devin Curlings is a listing specialist and real estate advisor based in Raleigh, North Carolina. She prides herself on compassion and helping clients achieve their goals of home ownership. She is also very well versed in new construction. So in this episode, we talk a bit about the ins and outs of the new construction process. Overall, Devin is awesome. She's so creative. And if you go to her Instagram, you can see she puts a lot of effort into creating beautiful content that I think benefits both sellers and buyers. You can also tell she's super passionate about what she does. And I learned so much from her and I know you will too. Hey, Devin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I get questions about home buying all the time. So glad to have an expert on to help answer some of these questions. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the market right now? I feel like things are a little crazy. So is it a good time to buy a home? What are the benefits of buying a home, especially right now? Yeah, for sure. So we are in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is obviously a hot spot. There's announcements daily of companies that are coming. Apple and Meta are just two of the big Mm -hmm. ones, obviously. We've been ranked time and time again for hottest housing market. Basically, anything you can think of, we've been nominated for. So really, it's always a good time to buy a home. The market is shifting, which I'm sure everybody has been reading about it, seeing it on the news. Inflation across the board is happening. We are paying for it at the pump. We're paying for it at the grocery store. We are paying it in rent as Mm -hmm. well, too. But one thing to consider when you're looking in the market to buy a home, that could be single-handedly the biggest financial investment of your life. It's a way to build generational wealth. And when your rent is increasing, you are paying down your like uh, the landlord's mortgage. And essentially, their rate is still what the rate used to be whenever they purchased the home. Rates are going up. Yes, it's happening across the board, but still right now it is a good time to buy and rates are still historically low. So it it's technically always a good time to buy, regardless of what the market is. That's good to know. I feel like there's a lot of, I guess, fear mongering out there, <laughs> you know, right now of like, should you yeah. buy a home? No, it's like a terrible investment right now. And yeah, I love that you said now or pretty much any time is a good time to buy a home. So that's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you definitely see appreciation across the board. Obviously, you're seeing it every day in what you do of prices going mm-hmm. up. And in order to achieve that dream of home ownership, which is a huge thing for people to accomplish in their life, regardless of age, and it just helps build financial wealth, which is what we all want at the end of the day. Yeah, yep, exactly. So what are some basic things that everyone needs to do to prepare to buy their first home? So one of the first things is credit. Obviously, figure out where your credit score is. And there's this big stigma with buying real estate that you need to have a perfect credit score and you need to have 20% down in order to buy your home, which Mm -hmm. is 
further from the truth. That is not accurate. A lot of people are unsure of like where to start to build credit. There are plenty of people that you can meet with, speak with, figure out how you can build your credit. But one of the main things is making sure that you pay your bills on time, watch your credit. And it does take a long time to fix it, build it up. But there's plenty of people that can help kind of speed up the timeline for that. So credit is the first one. Obviously, a down payment is the second. But depending on what type of loan you have, sometimes you can put as little as three and a half percent down. And there's also assistant programs with down payments. So there's many different options for everyone. But those are the two most important factors. Then it kind of leads into shopping for the right lender, finding the right agent, figuring out where you want to buy, what type of home you're looking for. But the first two steps is making sure that your credit is in order and that you have some sort of financial payment for your down payment and Mm -hmm. for due diligence, earnest money deposit, things like that. Yeah, that was actually a question that some people asked. Um, I put like a Dropbox in my story a couple weeks ago and asked like, what questions do you have about buying your first home? And a couple of people asked about earnest money and due diligence. Can you explain what those Yeah, mean? so North Carolina is very different from most states in regard to real estate. Why it is, I'm not really sure for the answer <laughs> for that, but we have a deposit called due diligence money. Due diligence money is really only solely practiced in North Carolina. In North hmm. Carolina, it is considered a buyer beware state. So due diligence is a deposit that you give up front to the seller. It's a check made directly out to them. They deposit it in their bank account. And when you close, you see a credit for it back. In the event that you change your mind for whatever reason, whether financing falls through, the house isn't right for you, something comes up on the inspection that might make you a little nervous that you don't want to get involved in, you can walk away from the home, but you do lose that deposit. Mm. Depending on how the market is depends on how you work with those two deposits. So earnest money is a deposit that goes directly to the attorney. The attorney holds it. Typically, if the market is kind of just a flat, like it's not crazy intense, not a good seller's market, not a good buyer's market, you typically give both. Mm. So when you give a due diligence deposit, there's normally a due diligence period, about two to three weeks. Typically during that period, you have appraisals, you have inspections, and you do all of these things to make sure it's the right home. With the market being as crazy as it has been, and it being a seller's market, people have been waiving that period. Mm -hmm. But if you did have that period, if you decided to walk during that two to three week process, you get your earnest money back. Okay, that makes sense. So it's a little interesting. It's It takes a couple of times to fully understand the meanings. But with the market changing, some people haven't been offering any earnest money. Mm. And they've solely been putting all of their money into the due diligence deposit because that would be what is the most appealing to the seller because it's money that they deposit directly into their account. Yeah. If you walk away, that could be money that they keep forever. Mm-hmm. It could be more of their savings. Or it's another way to kind of hold a buyer in to ensure that they make it to closing because most people aren't going to walk away from thousands of dollars. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Wait, so why is it called a buyer beware state? <laughs> that just sounds so, so scary. It is scary. But in North Carolina, a seller is not required to fix anything. Now, Mm -hmm. there are certain things in the process that a seller is technically supposed to disclose. So they have things called material facts. Material facts is essentially anything that a buyer would be nervous about purchasing a home or moving forward if they didn't know this. One thing that I like to consider a material fact is like the roof is actively leaking. Mm -hmm. If I'm physically in a home on a listing appointment and I can see that there's an active leak 
happening and the sellers are aware of an active leak, we both have fiduciary duty to disclose that. If you don't disclose it, it could turn into an issue and people could sometimes argue to have their due diligence money back. But across the board in the state of North Carolina, a seller is not required to lower their price and they're not required to fix anything. So when you're purchasing a home, that's just why you got to go in and just know that there's a chance that sometimes they could fix things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they could offer a credit, but they're not required to. Wow. That's good to know. I didn't realize that things are so different across states. I had no idea. It definitely is. It's so interesting when you try to like work in different states or speak to other agents from different states because Mm -hmm. it's always different. Yeah. For the most part, some of them are similar, but there's still ways that they work with whether it's going with the attorney process, loan process, it's still a little different across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So after you get your finances together, you mentioned that the next step would be shopping around for an agent. So why (laughs) is it important to bring on an agent when you're looking to purchase your first home or any home? Well, an agent is really one of the most important parts. Between an agent and a lender, that's going to help you achieve the dream of home ownership, which is what we all want. So finding an agent is imperative in this market. It is very, very important. So one thing that I like to like consider it to or relate it to is like when you're looking for a restaurant, when you want to go out to eat, what do we all do first? We go to <laughs> Yelp. Yep. We look at photos online. We Google it. We read the reviews. We look to see like how long has the restaurant been in business? Is it new? Has it been there for a while? Like, do they have specials? All of those things are what we as consumers every day are interested in. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking for an agent, you need to treat it like the same thing. Like, you don't want to go out to dinner and then be disappointed and the meal was horrible. You want to find an agent that has good reviews, that has experience, that has value, that they can help you win in a competitive market and just help you because this is single-handedly the largest investment of your life. Yeah. So it's not to be taken lightly. So when you shop for an agent, I always tell people it's good to, of course, talk to friends and family, see if they have had an experience with somebody. But the main thing is you just want to make sure that somebody's there and is going to help you through the process, educate you, and ultimately help you win. Because here in Raleigh, the market is extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. And buyers are getting exhausted from submitting offer after offer, where if you have the right agent by your side, reputation goes a long way from agent to agent. And that's really, really valuable at this moment. Agents want to work with certain agents that they've worked with in the past or they know will make sure that the closing will go smooth and we'll get to the closing table and everybody will be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess along those same lines, can you switch agents if you're unhappy with the agent that you're working with? So you do sign buyer agency. As soon as you sign buyer agency, it's a form, a contract that essentially says it is my sole fiduciary duty to work in your best interests. People do fire agents. It does happen. There's already an expiration date because in order to have a contract, you have to have an expiration. Mm -hmm. Typically, that's six months. It depends on who the agent is. They switch it up. And you can have buyer agency for one specific house. So you say, we're only working together for this one house, and then that's it. If it hasn't expired yet... You can terminate that relationship, but you just have to openly talk about it. You cannot go and start meeting with other agents, speaking to other agents, Mm -hmm. if you are in a relationship with the current agent that you're with. But you can go separate ways. For the most part, from what I've heard, 
sometimes people are pretty easy to part ways. And sometimes it's like, you know, the relationship's not working out. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, when you're working with an agent, it's kind of like dating. Like, do you guys get along? (laughs) The most important thing is, do you feel comfortable? Do you trust them? Do you value their opinion? Like, do they bring like education to the table? What do they have to help you? And if you don't feel like you're getting that, then that's obviously a conversation that you have to have. And a lot of times it's like, look, we're obviously not working out. We're not meshing well. I'm not doing what I said that I was going to do to help you. And that's fine. And you just go your separate ways. Mm -hmm. But one Mm -hmm. of the most important things about having an agent on your side on the buy side is it you don't pay anything. It is free to have full representation which a lot of people are unsure about. Yeah, that's good to know. They don't actually know that. So if you are going in to single fan, like the largest investment of your life, and you want full representation, you don't even have to pay for it. It's there. Hmm. But you should still interview and do all of that. Okay. So I guess what does that interview process look like? So you can just reach out to several agents and then ask to set up meetings with them? Yeah, for sure. It depends on what their process is. So for us, we have. A, I'm on a team. Mm-hmm. And our team has one phone number. You call, basically say that you're interested in working with an agent. You get set up on an appointment and you guys meet and chat. Typically, most agents will have a buyer presentation. They'll go through the steps of the process, explain it to you, and then you'll start actively searching. There's a lot of agents that won't start working on your behalf and sending you homes and meeting you and doing showings until you guys are under buyer agency. Mm. Some will start without that. Because sometimes people feel like they have to like prove their value, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So it ultimately depends. But you will find with agents that have more value, that have more experience, they are going to, they won't work with you unless you have some sort of relationship. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It is a business after all, too. So yeah, you don't want to waste time their time. Yeah. yeah. And agents are not paid until the house closes. So mm-hmm. we could be in this process for six months. We wouldn't receive any sort of payment from it until we get you under contract and you close on that house. Yeah. So and it's the same with new construction as well, too. If you end up building a home, mm-hmm. that could be a year, year and a half process. There's no payment oh, yeah. at all until the house closes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That means this is a very tough business to run. <laughs> so I commend you because yeah. I would be a little nervous about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it is... It is nervous, like nerve wracking and all of that. But I mean, if real estate is your passion Mm -hmm. and you're helping as many clients as you can, there's always some sort of flow, right? Yeah, Yeah, makes sense. So is it a good idea for a first-time homeowner to buy a new construction home versus a resale home? So that's actually a really great question. And it depends on what ultimately you want. But in a competitive market, new construction could be easier for first-time home buyers to get involved with because with that due diligence deposit that we spoke about earlier, with a resale home, in order to win, if there's multiple offers, you have to go in heavy on that deposit. Mm. So to have a little bit more of a comfort level, or maybe you don't have as much cash on hand, typically new construction, a builder requires a builder deposit, which is sometimes less than what you would spend in due diligence. That money is owed upfront, just like due diligence, but it is non-refundable. So Sometimes, depending on who the builder is, it can be a certain percentage of the purchase price. Mm. Or if the house is already complete, then it could be a couple thousand dollars. Like I know some builders that only ask for $2,500 up front. It obviously depends on the price point you're shopping in. Mm-hmm. But $2,500 versus maybe fifteen grand or more obviously is a huge difference. Yeah, You do have that option, which does make it appealing. Some people like to have a brand new home and some mm-hmm. people go for character, which you would find in a resale. 
It ultimately depends on what you're shopping for. Mm -hmm. And with new construction, for the most part, you usually get about a one-year warranty of, like, cosmetic items coming back to fix things. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily, let's say, if, like, the HVAC stops working, if you're in a resale, you're fixing that and paying for that. If it's new construction, more than likely the builder will come back and fix it. So you could have some comfort level there. And you also Mm -hmm. have, like, structural warranties as well, too. Depending on the builder, it could be six to ten years. So if something structurally goes wrong, they're kind of on the hook to come back and fix it, which wouldn't be an out-of-pocket expense for you. Okay. Yeah, that's really nice. I think that's one of the reasons why it's more appealing to me. Because with an older home, you just have no idea of the history. or And just like you said, in North Carolina, the sellers aren't required to fix anything. So if you do get stuck with an issue, that's on you right after you buy your home. Yeah. For sure. And then you have brand new roof. That's obviously one of the most expensive parts of maintaining a home. So you don't have to think about it for Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years, depending on the type of roof that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So one time, I think this is early 2021. This is definitely a personal question. (laughs) But I saw this new home on Zillow. It was like townhome development being built. And I wanted to go tour just to see what it was like. And I thought you could just go and tour a home, like no big deal. They had on the website, go check out this home. So I go, my boyfriend comes with me, and then the builders are there. And they're like, okay, well, you need to find an attorney, or not an attorney, you need to find an agent within like the next six hours, basically until they close. And if I don't have an agent by the end of the day, then I guess they would be representing me. I don't know how that works. Can you explain what happened there? So that's definitely a very interesting process. (laughs) Yeah, And it depends on who the builder is, and it depends on all of their details and how they work. Obviously, some larger builders have different kind of just overall how it works. Mm-hmm. So it depends on who you're with. Now, a lot of people are curious, just like you, where they want to just show up to new construction and they want to walk it. Like they don't yeah. know if that's where they want to be. They don't know what the houses are going to look like. They don't know what quality they're going to be or what's included even in the price. Yeah, And one of a big thing about new construction is you could be looking online and seeing a price. That price does not include your lot, any sort of premiums or any sort of selections. Mm. So it really depends. If you're curious in new construction, I always say, have an agent that goes with you. Lesson learned. (laughs) Learn from my mistake. Uh, That is that if you don't have an agent with new construction, that you'll get some sort of like discount or rebate or they do something to help you with it. Mm. That's also like way further from the truth as well, too. You always want an agent with you when you're talking about new construction, walking through anything. For that, it's a little interesting. There must have been some sort of like contract they would have asked you to sign saying if you don't have it within a certain time frame, you're like forced to work with us. That's very Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so weird. And luckily, I didn't know any agents in this area at all. But I had come across one on Instagram. So I was like, "Um, let me just reach out to him, see if he can help for now. I had no idea what I was doing. A lot of times, if you go with like a bigger builder, sometimes they're bulldogs in that sense. Mm -hmm. Because then for them, they're not paying an agent on the buy side. Because in North Carolina, the seller pays both sides. So they pay the listing agent, and they also pay the buyer agent. So for them, it's essentially like them saving money. Mm. And a lot of people think, oh, if I'm going to buy new construction, I don't need an agent. I don't need representation. They'll fix it. They'll help me walk through it. They'll do all of these things, Mm -hmm. which is when you meet with an on-site agent, they kind of tell you they're there to help you. But one of the most important things to keep in mind is when you walk in the door of a new construction model house, 
that agent that's on site works for that builder. Mm-hmm. They do not work for you. They're not there to look out for your best interest. Yeah. They're there to help sell for the builder. Mm-hmm. It's the same as in when you go into an open house. If the listing agent is there, they are there and they work for the seller. Mm-hmm. So anything you say, they basically relate it to the seller. So you always want to be represented in that sense. And for a lot of people, it's annoying. It's like, I'm not ready to buy right now. I just want to go start looking. I'm not sure where I want to be. But for your best interest, it's always good to have an agent with you whenever you start looking at new construction. I mean, if you just want to be nosy because we're all nosy, (laughs) sometimes you can still go to open houses and do all of that. And Mm -hmm. if you know you're not ready to buy, you just like to look at houses, then that's fine. But you always need to have representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely learn my lesson there. And now I get my fix by going to the Parade of Homes. I don't know if yes, they have those in every other state, yes. but um, I love they that do now. have them in a lot of different states. But that's an easy way to start looking, mm-hmm. and then you see you can see all different price points. Yeah, you can see all different levels and all different locations of what these builders offer. Because I mean, the parade of homes is they're tricking out a home in any sort of price point. Mm-hmm. So, but one thing too with parade of homes is, like I said, it's tricked out. So that's not necessarily what all of their selections would look like if you were to mm-hmm. build the same home. Oh, yeah, for sure. They show you like the best of the best so that you want it. Yes. And then you're like, oh, wait, this will yes. be a million another- dollars. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's another thing with model homes as well, too. That's not their base. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it tricked out with a bunch of extra selections. Yep. It's not like when they give you pricing and they say, oh, this house might be 350000 You need to take away your vision from the model house because it's not going to be that at yeah. all. <laughs> So I guess once you find a house that you really like, what are some questions that you should ask the seller to make sure that it's the right home for you? So you are not able to talk to the seller directly. Hmm. You have to do agent to agent. You'll never speak to the seller directly unless it's a for sale by owner, which can be a very, very interesting process. Mm -hmm. And I would highly advise against that. You always need to have some sort of representation to help you navigate. But if it is a resale, there's a document called residential property disclosure. This is a disclosure that every person is required to fill out. If it's new construction, it's not required. This document basically states the ages of all the systems in the home, like how old is your roof, your HVAC, your hot water heater, and Mm -hmm. is it functioning as intended? There's a yes, there's a no, and there's a no representation. A lot of sellers work in good faith, and they mark it out accordingly. Agents are legally not allowed to help them fill it out. There's some questions about the HOA as well, too, like what's covered, if there is an HOA. Mm -hmm. Is there any sort of like capital contribution or any sort of assessments in the neighborhood? But if you've never lived in the home, you can't fill it out. So you basically Mm -hmm. would check no representation. If it's a flip of some kind, like somebody bought it a year ago, painted it, put new countertops in, they're going to put no representation as well, too. Or if it's an estate, like a family member passed away and there's somebody that's helping with the process of it, there'll be no representation. Mm -hmm. That form will help you know what you need to know. So if you're looking at a roof and it says the date and it's about 20 years old, you got to immediately think in your mind, I need to start planning for a new roof in the future. If the HVAC is like seven, eight years old, sometimes people say it's at the end of its life. If it is serviced twice a year, sometimes it lasts way longer than that. So those are kind of the main things you have to think about. You also have to consider, depending on where you're purchasing, is it in like a flood zone? Obviously, it doesn't really happen much here in Raleigh, but there are still flood zones. If you're at the beach or something, those are yeah. things that you consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned HOAs a little bit ago. Can you explain what an HOA is and if it's important to read that agreement before you purchase a home? Absolutely. 
So an HOA has covenants, basically, in a neighborhood. And covenants can last up to 20 years before they expire. You can also have amendments to those covenants. So an HOA is like a board of the homeowners association. They can get together and meet. They can discuss things. They can talk about what are the rules and regulations of your neighborhood, like down to what type of fencing you can have. Can you have livestock? Like if you like chickens, (laughs) most of the time you more than likely won't be able to have them. If you work on cars for a living or you have a hobby of remodeling cars and doing that, sometimes they don't allow to have broken down vehicles that don't actually operate on the premises. Mm-hmm. If you have a boat or an RV or a trailer, you're some sort of tradesperson, like you do landscaping, construction. A lot of times they don't allow for those types of vehicles, trailers, or anything to be on site. So those are something that you definitely need to read into. Sometimes they go down to like how many pets you can have. Oh, wow. Sometimes I didn't know they that. talk about breed restrictions. All of that stuff is obviously very important to you because mm-hmm. if you want to have chickens because you like to have fresh <laughs> eggs, obviously you can't buy a house that doesn't allow them. Yeah. Those matter. And then when you have a board, they can make changes as long as everybody agrees to it. So mm-hmm. one of the most common changes in covenants across Raleigh suburb area is the amount of rentals you can have in the community. Mm. So obviously, since Raleigh is a very up-and-coming area, a lot of investors are coming in and purchasing homes. These investors have endless amount of money, and they're like your just average home buyer is missing out because they're buying cash and offering well over, and it's just a dime out of a hat. Yeah. So a lot of homeowners in established communities were like, I don't want these to be flips. I don't want it to be tenants coming in and out and Mm -hmm. the house isn't being taken care of and things like that. So they've recently started either not allowing rentals at all in the community. So if you're thinking about buying your first home and in two years you want to rent it out or lease it to a family member, Mm -hmm. sometimes that's not an option. There's sometimes there's a waiting list where if it has been met like that 20%, you could be on a waiting list for years. Oh, wow. Sometimes they are grandfathered in, but like that's just a process to think about as well too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess with such a competitive market, especially here in Raleigh, how can we make our offers more appealing to sellers? So there's a couple of ways around it. When you hire the right agent, that (laughs) agent will call the listing agent and they'll be like, what can I do to win this house? What's Mm. important? A lot of times it will be listed in MLS, like offer instructions, what's the most important to the seller. A lot of the times it's just how much are you going to pay over for my house? How much due diligence are you going to offer me? Yeah. But that's not always the case. Sometimes sellers want another family to move into their home. Obviously, you have to be careful about discussing these things because of protected classes. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to write love letters yeah, from I heard the about buyer that. to the seller and talk about why you love this house. Mm-hmm. But now with fair housing, you can't share any sort of photos. You can't talk about familial status. Oh, wow. Sometimes people still share it, but in MLS, you can't even say, you know, the dining room is big enough for a family. And family doesn't mean blood related, essentially. That mm-hmm. could be your close friends you've grown up with in your entire life. Yeah. But it's a protected class, so you can't talk about those things. However, a seller is able to pick an offer for whatever reason it may be. Mm. And it could come down to they met the neighbors and the neighbors told them about them. Okay. That so, makes sense. And yeah. It just depends on the value proposition. Mm -hmm. Everyone is different. Sometimes sellers need like a two-month lease back because they're building a new house. Or they're going to, they want to wait for their daughter to graduate high school. Mm -hmm. All of those things factor in. 
presentation of your offer is definitely key because the agents relay that to the sellers. Mm -hmm. If you are an active go-getting agent and you call and you try to make the listing agent your best friend, they're going to talk about that relationship. If you've done deals with them before, they relay that to the sellers. Yeah, It all matters. One of the biggest things that I tell agents time and time again of submitting offers on a listing that you know has multiple offers, Mm -hmm. present your client's offer like it's the best offer they will ever receive. This is a very key factor in this market. When Mm -hmm. For the most part, I work on listings and I do help first-time home buyers. I do work with buyers at some point. But when I'm going through offers every day and I have 20, 30 offers to go through, Mm -hmm. if your agent is not presenting your offer and typing out your terms and they're just forwarding a DocuSign, which is an Mm e-signature, it's kind of like, really? This is very impersonal. Like you're not going to take the time to tell me about your clients and how awesome they are and why they deserve this house. Mm -hmm. So that's something I also tell people too. Like when you're interviewing an agent, ask them, how are you going to present my offer? When you email the agent, are you guys going to be friendly? Because the Mm -hmm. relationship matters because we are the mediators between the buyer and the seller. And there's a lot of emotion there. Are you going to be able to break down my terms and explain why I deserve this house? All of those things factor in for sure. Yeah. So- Long story short, make sure you have the right agent. <laughs> That's what I've learned from this. The right agent will literally help you move mountains. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I've seen a lot of talk about people waiving their home inspection so that they can get mm-hmm. into a home either faster or just have their offer accepted. What are your thoughts on that? I know there's pros and cons to both. So there is pros and cons. But the fact of the matter is we talked about North Carolina is a buyer beware state. Seller's not required to fix anything. So if you waive your due diligence, period, you can still do inspections. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. You can do them Mm -hmm. from knowledge purposes, which I 100% always recommend, even when you have new construction. When you have new construction, you do inspections throughout the process. You can even Mm -hmm. do pre-drywall inspections to make sure the structure of your home is sound. Those are very, very important processes. When you are in new construction, you can catch that stuff early, send them the inspection, For the most part, they'll fix everything within reason. Mm -hmm. When you have a resale and you waive that period, you're basically saying goodbye to your rights of either asking for the price to be lowered or asking for anything to be fixed. Now, there's still people that do work in good faith. There are Mm -hmm. still sellers that if they look at an inspection, let's say I submit an offer on your house. I'm an agent and I say that my buyers don't want to ask for any repairs, Mm -hmm. but then an inspection comes up and there's a hidden leak in the roof that's been causing some damage. The listing agent has no idea, which is you and the seller. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sellers are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that there was a leak there. Yeah, This is a conversation that you have where it's like, do you want to act in good faith? And since you had no idea, obviously you don't want to move forward and have some sort of bad karma come your way. Like that's a conversation I have often. Like, how do you feel about it? Like mm-hmm. they paid a good price for your home. It's ultimately up to the seller to decide, but most people do work in good faith. Yeah, that's good to know. So, I mean, to answer the question quickly, basically, I mean, if you waive the period, it does make your offer more appealing, mm-hmm. which could help you win, obviously. And the seller's not going to, they're not required to fix anything anyway. So it really wouldn't make a difference to you mm-hmm. on that end. There's no necessarily leverage. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Now, if the market was different and it wasn't a seller's market, then you should always have the period and not necessarily waive it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. So what actually happens at a real estate closing? So a real estate closing is signing a million <laughs> documents. Basically what it comes down to. So the deed is signed over into your name. 
and you sign a huge stack of documents about your loan. Basically, it talks about that you're going to pay on time. It goes through your schedule of payments and a bunch of other documents. The best thing to explain it is when you go, your agent shall always be present with you and an attorney is there and goes through the documents page by page with you. They can go as fast or as slow as you want and they are there for you to ask any questions that you need because it is a lot of legal documentation. All of that is going to be like transferred over Mm -hmm. to the county. After you sign your docs, you don't immediately own your home. That's one thing to know. You cannot start moving your stuff in and you cannot start like just living life. You have to wait because there are some final things that are needed. You have to make sure that your money Mm -hmm. is wired. Everything is cleared on the closing end. And depending on what type of loan you have, sometimes you need some extra paperwork or sometimes it doesn't process in time because they do work banking hours. So if it's 4.30 and you haven't recorded yet, you're probably not Mm going to record. And you need a plan. So if you have a closing on Friday, you need to plan to not move in that weekend. Oh, wow. Just in case anything. So... After everything is signed, they submit it over to the county, and then the county basically says that you have recorded legally it is your home. But you cannot move or touch base in that home. Like, you can't put your Mm -hmm. U-Haul there. You can't move anything into the garage, and you can't do anything without the seller or the Mm. builder's permission. Yes. Until it's legally in your name. When it's legally in your name, then you're all You're golden. It's your house then. Yeah. So then I guess the agent would call you and let you know that it's all set, or how would you find out? So the attorney sends an email. And most of the time, the agent will call you and be like, we've recorded, it's officially yours. But regardless, you'll get an email from the attorney because when you go under contract, depending on the attorney that you use, typically your agent refers you to an attorney. They need a bunch of information. Mm -hmm. They send you documents to fill out that come down to like your social, like your legal names, all of that. If you're going to wire money, you need to do wiring instructions. So they have all of your information anyway. And if there's anything that comes up, they're always there to like ask a question. Okay. Yeah, good to know. So we've talked a lot about the various things that you need to have to prepare to buy your home. So the due diligence money, earnest money, down payment, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. What are some of the hidden costs of homeownership that people should be aware of before they buy a home? Well, when you're thinking about buying, you need to budget for inspections. So that's one of them. Mm. But when you own a home, depending on what type though, most of the time you're required for any sort of maintenance. So like we talked about earlier, if your HVAC goes out, even if you bought the house and closed on it yesterday, if it's a resale and all of a sudden it's gone and you did an inspection and it said it was in full working order, you have to replace that. Mm. All of those costs are on you. You also have to think about taxes. So you do pay taxes on your home just like you would with a car. But the easy thing about that is, is when you do your mortgage, your taxes are escrowed, which means that... When you pay your mortgage, part of that money is being put aside into an account for taxes and your mortgage pays your taxes. Mm. So you do get a bill and some people are like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to pay this couple thousand dollar bill? I had no idea it was coming, but it's just a statement. Yeah. But your lender will go through your payment process and break down what all is included in your mortgage and talk about that. But really the most part about it is your HOA dues that you pay monthly as well too. Mm Mm-hmm. If your HOA has like a private road and all of a sudden the road needs to be fixed, there could be an assessment where each homeowner is required to pay. (laughs) Interesting. But when you're renting, you're obviously not worrying about any of those normal structures. Yeah. Like you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. But you could buy a townhome and a lot of townhomes, the HOA covers the exterior maintenance. So if something's wrong with your roof, they'll fix it. They'll cut your grass sometimes too. Mm -hmm. Um, If something's wrong with the foundation or the siding. 
they come in, most of the time they cover that as well. But you figure yeah. that out yeah. during the purchasing process mm-hmm. or when you're like looking at townhomes, you can reach out to the HOA to see what they cover, what's your responsibility and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. And that's one of the reasons why I was looking at townhomes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I need the least amount of maintenance because I'm not about to be out there mowing the yard. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are like that. Like they don't want maintenance mm-hmm. at all. And when you look at like 55 and up communities, typically they cover all of that exterior maintenance, mm-hmm. but a lot of townhomes cover cutting your grass and doing all yeah. of that. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Well, we just covered a ton of stuff. This has been super helpful, especially for me as someone who hasn't bought a home yet. I am looking forward to it. Now you've answered a ton of my questions, questions that followers have asked me. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for people to know? I think one of the biggest things is just trying to feel more comfortable with talking about your finances. Mm. That's one of the biggest things that I would recommend because when you start speaking to a lender, it's uncomfortable because people have a stigma around money. When you're speaking to a real estate agent, they're going to ask you, what do you make for a living? How much money have you saved? Because it's our job to help know how to spread out what you have Mm -hmm. to work in your best interest. So really the main thing is, is Start feeling a little uncomfortable so you can feel comfortable. Start looking into your finances like, what have I saved? How can I save? Because all of that is normal in the process and you don't need to feel uncomfortable about Mm -hmm. it because we talk to people about it all the time. The lender is there to help make sure that your asset is provided in the easiest way possible that makes the most sense for you financially. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the biggest things that I could recommend when it starts talking about buying a home. Start feeling comfortable around money, mm-hmm. which is hard for a lot of people, but it's a way to help you get past that mental block of getting there mm-hmm. to achieve your dream. And one nugget that I forgot to touch on is a lot of people get nervous when shopping for lenders because they think it's going to ding their credit mm-hmm. because their credit is pulled. It does not. You're allowed to shop for lenders all you want. And I also forgot to mention when you're looking for the right lender, I always recommend going with a local lender, mm. which means they don't necessarily work for your credit union that you bank yeah. at, maybe federal, any of that. They don't work business hours, so they work off hours. If you need anything, mm-hmm. they're available, and they can always help you. And they can also help you with guidance of grants and things like that. Does that mean locally, like in your state or like your city, like super locally? <laughs> I recommend your city, but some lenders are not able, like they don't have license in every single state. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So a lot of people will immediately call their credit union because they're like, that's who I bank with. Mm-hmm. They might have a better interest rate, but sometimes there's hidden fees yeah. that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. And you want to shop and make sure that you have the right person in front of you. They do pull your credit, yes, because they have to, but it doesn't ding your credit whatsoever. Yeah. That's really good to know. And I'm excited because after (laughs) preparing for this episode, I decided that I needed to bring on a lender. So we'll have the continuation of this discussion coming soon, too. So we can get all our lender questions asked. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Owning a home is so many people's dreams. And there's so many people that love to help people achieve that dream. Mm -hmm. It's the best way to build generational wealth, which is what we all want for family, friends. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Well, tell everyone where they can find you, especially for those local to this area. I'm sure they'll want to reach out. Yes, I love that. So I'm Devin Curlings with the Coley Group of Compass. I'm on a team. The team is called the Coley Group. We have a large team where we help with builders. We help on the buy process. We help on the sell process, which is one of the things that I specialize in. And the best part about our home is that we have so much inventory. We have a lot of off-market. So if you're looking to avoid a crazy market that's competitive. We are always here to help. 
Our office is in North Hills. If you're familiar with Raleigh, you know North Hills. It's an outdoor shopping dining area. We're available at all times. So you can also find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there. It's Devin Curling's Realtor and Devin is D-E-V-I-N. And then you can email me as well too, which is Devin at thecoleygroup.com. Perfect. And I'll include all of this in the show notes too. Well, thank you again. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh